Welcome to Gathering Gold, a podcast for highly sensitive souls. I'm Cheryl Paul, a counselor trained in the Jungian depth psychological tradition. And I'm Victoria Russell, Cheryl's niece and co-host. This podcast explores some of the themes highlighted in my book, The Wisdom of Anxiety, and my Conscious Transitions blog. Join us as we dive into the realms of our inner worlds to ask deep questions, grow more self-trust and self-love, and embrace sensitivity, creativity, and the rhythms of the natural world. If you would like to connect with me, Victoria, and others in the Gathering Gold listener community and support the podcast to help us continue our work, please consider joining our Patreon at patreon.com slash gatheringgold. To learn more about Cheryl's course offerings, including courses to support you in breaking free from anxiety in all forms, learning to trust yourself, and becoming more comfortable with uncertainty, please visit Cheryl's website, conscious-transitions.com. You can also find us on Instagram, Cheryl is at Wisdom of Anxiety, and I am at Perennials Podcast. Thank you for listening. The topic we're going to talk about for this episode came up because we both had anticipatory anxiety surrounding dentist appointments last week. (laughs) I had a cavity filling scheduled on Monday. And your son, Asher, had oral surgery scheduled for Friday. Mm. And you and I both found ourselves managing anticipatory anxiety, Mm -hmm. that dread, that like, oh, oh no, Mm. this thing is coming up. I'm worried about it. I don't really want this. (laughs) It's going to be uncomfortable. And I think Asher was having his anticipatory anxiety about actually having the procedure, right? hmm So for me, I noticed last Sunday, I was on a hike with Martin, and it was a beautiful day. You know, it's January, so it was cold, but it was sunny, and I just kept thinking like, oh, but tomorrow I have to have a cavity filled. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even though I was on this beautiful hike and even though part of me was really exasperated because like 99% of me felt certain that it would be totally fine Mm. and mostly just like mildly inconvenient and maybe mildly uncomfortable. (laughs) Mm. So the majority of my brain is going like, this is what's going to happen tomorrow. You're going to drive to the dentist. You're going to sit in the waiting room for approximately two minutes because it's a very efficient office. (laughs) You're going to sit in a chair with your mouth open for about 20 minutes and you won't feel anything because they're going to numb it. And then you're going to go home. But the force of anticipatory anxiety is so strong Mm -hmm. that I, I just couldn't quite kick it. That underlying hum and luckily like in this case, this wasn't something that I was like really, really panicking about, but it was just like ugh, this underlying hum of dread. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and I almost wonder, like that phrase anticipatory anxiety was introduced to me by my therapist when I was 15. Mm-hmm. 
And it was so helpful, that phrase. But I wonder if all, I mean, isn't all anxiety anticipatory? That's kind of the definition, right? Well, I think anxiety is either what if or if only. So we're either in mm. the past or future casting and anticipating worst case scenarios. Right, right. But I think of anticipatory anxiety specifically specific tied to a specific event mm -hmm. um often a specific date of a specific event you know <laughs> this thing is coming yes and there's some kind of countdown yes. whereas more generalized anxiety where it can be of course anticipatory it's more of a broad sweep mm. so i think what's interesting about this topic is that it is very localized to these events that you know are set in the calendar on this date in the future and how we walk towards those dates as highly sensitive people tends to be with a lot of dread and sometimes dread that is not commensurate with what we our rational brains know like you said how it's likely to unfold 99 percent of you knew this is how it's going to go brain self and that's how it went. And so for me, we first learned that Asher has an impacted or had an impacted canine, which means one of his adult teeth had not descended and was stuck in the roof of his mouth. And so that baby tooth hadn't come out and the adult tooth needed some help coming out. And so we first learned of this last June over the summer, July or something like that. And we learned of it from the orthodontist after taking the x-rays and he's like, yep, so you're going to have to have a surgery um, sometime in December or January. And Asher and I just looked at each other like, oh, excuse me, what? Surgery? <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were just coming to have an orthodontist appointment, like to decide if we're even going to get braces. Mm. What do you mean a surgery? <sighs> so from that moment, it's not like I've thought of it every day, but there has been some undercurrent. Whenever we've passed that part of town where the oral surgeon's office is, my stomach has dropped. Whenever I've thought of it, knowing it's coming in December or January, it was originally scheduled for December, but the oral surgeon had to reschedule for January. So knowing that it was coming around that time, it was just, oh, dread, dread, dread. For him, having never had had a surgery, not knowing how he was going to handle it, he is very sensitive. And so part of it was also teeing into Asher's nerves. Like he was, he was really scared. And so I was scared and he was scared. But of course, for him, I put on the, it's totally going to be <laughs> fine. Sir, he's done thousands of these. He's an excellent surgeon. His anxious brain was going. So I don't need to share his details, but his anxious brain was alive and well. And I'm sure anyone with anxiety can imagine where his brain went anticipating his first surgery being put under. So it was it was sedation. And so as the date is approaching, we're all kind of feeling more anxious, more of the dread, dread, dread. I'm toggling between my spiritual practice, which helps me to find anchor and grounding, and that 
deep faith of what is the most likely scenario, which is spiritual practice combined with just cognitive activating the prefrontal cortex, the rational part. And like you, a, a large part of me knowing the likelihood is this is going to be just fine. But then there's anxious brain, which is so much louder, especially as the date is approaching. So Thursday night, hard night for Asher. Friday morning, we wake up. Dave and I both, we decide to both go with him. We arrive. Asher's like pretty quiet, internal. We all go back to the room. We can see his anxiety is just escalating. Once I was actually there, I felt better. Again, it's the anticipation, right? Yeah. Now I'm sitting in the room, you know, I'm looking at all the dentist, the surgeons, amazing awards. And I'm like, right. So he's in good hands. All is well. We leave him. He's being sedated. He's pretty much under. And then Dave and I are just sitting in the waiting room for the 40 minutes. And I'm again, like, toggling, wrestling, going back and forth. I'm in my, I'm in my prayer place. I'm in my higher self. Um, and then I'm like, <gasps> is everything okay? You know, and I turned to Dave, is everything okay? And he's like, if it wasn't okay, we would know, you know, we would like be hearing signs that it wasn't okay. I'm sure everything's okay. They come to get us. We go back. Asher's, you know, out of it, but He's fine. I was also very worried about the recovery, yeah. his pain tolerance. How is he going to recover? What's the pain going to be like? Are we going to be able to manage it? Is he going to be able to sleep? What are the next three or four days? Because they kept saying, like, it's about, you know, three or four days of recovery. Here's the protocol. You give him Tylenol and Advil, but if it's not enough, you give him the oxycodone. Here's the prescription. So they made it sound like he's going to be in a lot of pain. And we get home, we give him the pain meds because they said to stay on top of it. And the rest of the day passes and he's like, oh, it kind of hurts like a few hours later. But he's like, it's fine. He's eating soft foods. That night, we're like, Asher, we're supposed to wake you up in the middle of the night so we can stay on top of the pain. He said, no, don't. I'm fine. Okay. Sleeps through the night. Nothing no pain, <laughs> no more medication, like as if it never happened. <laughs> it was a non-event, Victoria. Yeah. It was yes. like miraculous in my mind that it was this non-event. <laughs> and I just kept saying, Asher, like, you don't need any peace? Like, no, I'm fine. And so all those months, all those months, of dread, anticipatory anxiety and dread came down to a 40-minute procedure and some Tylenol. <laughs> yep, that's it. <laughs> that's it. So what the heck? <laughs> why? What the heck, brain? Yes, why, brains? Why, why brains? Why How is this serving <laughs> us? Come on. Other people don't do this. I know they don't. They just 
arrive at the surgery and they're maybe a little nervous like that day, but they don't do this. So I talked about this episode with my family mm. and I was curious, what, what can we unpack this together? And Dave said something really interesting, which I think is absolutely true. He said, but we're coming from thousands of years of primal programming that says, number one, that dentists are terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Right. And we haven't quite caught up. So we are living out like this long ancestral imprinting of all the things that did go wrong in human history. I mean, Dave's very funny. So he's like, you know, back in the day, it was like, oh, you have a cavity. Here's a rock. I'm going to take this rock and <laughs> yeah. like smash the tooth out of your mouth. You know, like, I'm like, right. There's like medieval dentistry where you were like yeah. strapped, like chained to the dentist chair and like drills coming at you. And we're not living in that era, but highly sensitive people still are in a way like it's so recent in our human history that the world has been this safe and like you so wisely pointed out to me when i was talking about this the day before the surgery we are also so privileged and lucky that we live in a part of the world and we have the resources to go to a dentist who is highly skilled and makes the procedure as painless as possible. Yeah. And that that is not still not the case everywhere in the world, of course. And so it's not out of nowhere that we carry this dread. It's like we're still carrying the big, heavy 10-ton weight of how it's been for humans. Yeah, and, and when our brains are the type of brains that <laughs> that think of every possible thing that could go wrong. Yes. And you're in what feels like a very vulnerable position. It's really hard to relinquish the worry for me because from a very young age, I had this idea, not even an idea, just this instinct of like, worrying in order to control the outcome. Mm -hmm. And even though now I know that that's not rational, I know that that doesn't work. I've heard people say, you know, worrying is like praying for what you don't want to happen. <laughs> you know, I've, mm -hmm. I've read the statistics that something like 85% of the stuff we worry about never happens. Mm -hmm. It's just really hard to let go of this little superstitious part of me that yes. feels like I have to worry or else <laughs> I'm like yes. tempting the fates or yes. I haven't done my part in trying to control and influence the outcome. <laughs> and I know it's not like it's not to the same degree as when I was younger. It's just like a smidgen. It's just enough to tip me over into more, more anticipatory anxiety than is really called for in a lot of situations. Yes. So yeah, it's just that, that 
trying to control the outcome piece. Like, I think it's just so uncomfortable to sit with uncertainty and to sit with that looming date of the test, you know, the appointment, the Mm -hmm. whatever, the the trip, Mm -hmm. whatever it is. And I've also read that, like, you know, people are so uncomfortable with uncertainty that we would rather we would rather know like that there's going to be a bad outcome than like not know what the outcome's going to be. Mm. Like that is how much people don't like uncertainty. <laughs> yes. And so I think a lot of it is about just how we register threats because I think everyone experiences some degree of anticipatory anxiety or or will experience it at some point. It's just mm-hmm. many people are like, oh, dentist, not a big deal. You know, mm-hmm. it's just mm-hmm. when we're so sensitive to to threat, to maybe catastrophizing that we experience it a lot more, I think, and and maybe have a harder time relinquishing it, whereas other people might be able to quiet it down a little bit easier. Yes. I'm thinking about an upcoming trip that I have, and I'm thinking about how much this podcast, and we've talked a little bit about this, you and I, Victoria, how much this podcast has helped us, and some sort of magic and some sort of ritual component that happens when we record, when we read comments and and relate to others about a topic. And so I'm having this hope that I want to put this vision of putting this upcoming trip that I have in February, just for a weekend, into the vessel of our magic podcast. Mm. And seeing if something Something can shift. We did it last year around winter when we did the winter podcast, The Paradox of Winter. And all of our conversations around it shifted winter for me, at least last winter. Um, And I've actually been listening back to that one this winter. And so I have this trip mid-February. It's for one of my best friend's daughter's bat mitzvah. And I have only traveled one other time by plane without my children, without my family. I don't like to do that. It scares me. And so while I know that the weekend is probably going to be really wonderful First of all, February is my hardest month in Colorado. So to get to go to Los Angeles, it's probably going to be nice weather. I'm staying with my other best friend in her beautiful house near the ocean. So I'm going to be close to the ocean. It's going to be like on paper, what could be better? I'm going to Los Angeles in February to see my two best friends. Fantastic. But what my brain focuses on is the travel. is the airplane. If that was my weekend planned and my best friends lived an hour away, I don't think there would be any anticipatory anxiety. There would only be anticipatory excitement, right? Which you and I have talked about. Like there is another side to anticipating Mm -hmm. something that you're looking forward to. 
But my excitement around this feels drowned out by getting on that airplane, being away from my family, um, just the whole hassle of travel. And yet when I break it down, like you did for yourself with the dental appointment, it's going to be two minutes in the waiting room. It's going to be 20 minutes in the chair. So I break it down. Okay. There's the drive to the airport. I get dropped off, wait in line. I get on the plane. I might feel a little bit nervous, but then the reality is I actually really relish that time yeah, to, to be by myself, Yeah, right? to I'll pull out my journal, I'll, who knows, I'll have a book. I know it's actually going to be delicious time sitting on the plane. What What's the likelihood that the airplane is going to land safely in Los Angeles? Very, very, very high. But like Dave was saying, there's that still that imprint of airplane travel is dangerous. Something bad might happen. Right? What if it's that one, all the anxious brain places? And so I'm just so curious to see how much I can work with this. I have a month to proactively move toward it in some way and see if I can, I don't even know, quiet, the anticipate, be more in the reality of what it's going to be and, and position myself into that so that I'm not, that it's not the automatic, here's the date and here's dread. Right? Yep. Or if it is that, then I catch that. Okay, there's the automatic. But then I, then I meet the next moment with, okay, self, let me actually slow that down and spend time there and see if I can shift this in some way. said about the anticipatory anxiety is drowning out the excitement. Mm -hmm. I think that's why this feels so worthy of spending time on because not only does it drown out excitement for what will come, but it really pulls us out of the present moment. Mm -hmm. For me anyway, it pulls me out of just enjoying the fact that I'm on this hike or I'm having a cozy evening at home. I'm having a conversation with my partner, but my brain is going, dentist tomorrow, dentist tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the loss. And I think for me, like, what I find is I have to make some room for it. Like, okay, you know, it's here. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to totally banish it. No. Um, I do try to find some different perspective on it, you know, like a different angle to look at it with some gratitude for these types of things that we're talking about, because it actually really does calm me a little bit to go like, 
okay, but wait a second, I'm really lucky to get to go to the dentist. Mm-hmm. Like I am certain there are many people in my state, in my county, maybe in my neighborhood who can't afford to go to the dentist. Mm-hmm. Yes. And 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 like a certain gentleness of like saying to myself, Victoria, you deserve to have your teeth taken care of. Mm-hmm. You deserve to have your health taken care of. And that dentist and that hygienist, like they are going to do their best because they want to help take care of your health too. Mm -hmm. Just like that pilot and those flight attendants, they're going to do their best to make that a good flight for you, you know, and all that schooling that went into that pilot (laughs) being able to fly that plane from Denver to Los Angeles, you know, like it does, I, I don't want to be like bypassing or like a Pollyanna, but I act, I do find that helpful um, yes. because it, it reminds me that there are multiple ways of looking at things, not just mm. the fear way of looking at things. Mm. Yeah, it makes me want to make a wheel of anticipatory anxiety and allowing all the spokes to be there. So or just anticipation, like the wheel would be anticipation and one spoke on the wheel will be anticipatory dread or anxiety or worry. And the part of us that believes that my worry will prevent something bad from happening and the converse that if I don't worry that I am tempting fate, that I am being risky, I am being irresponsible right? That it's actually, there is that belief Yes, that it is irresponsible <laughs> for me to drop the worry that I have a task. And I do think that some of that, if not all of it, but a great deal comes from our genetic encoding of being the highly sensitive, hypervigilant sentries, keeping watch, keeping post, scanning the horizon, being hypervigilant, that it was our job at some point to keep everybody safe. And so the modern version of that is, uh, this is my job. I, leading up to this flight, you know, I mean, I say it not in total truth, but for the part, like a primitive part of my brain, it actually feels irresponsible. Yes. To let that go. And that if I let that go, the whole plane's going to go down and it's going to be my fault because. I didn't worry enough, you know, I mean, it's, yeah. it's, you know, it's, it's crazy, but that's not how it feels to the anxious brain. It doesn't feel crazy at all. It feels like for real, this is life and death. And that's why I think sometimes you feel better when you get there. Cause you're like, well, the choice is the choice part is over. Like mm-hmm. there's no more like, should I really do this? I could back out, you know? Yes. You're like, well, it's happening now. So that part I can stop thinking about because Asher's in the chair, <laughs> you know? Well, exactly true because – and I want to get back to the wheel in a minute because I have other spokes I want to put on there in case it's helpful for anybody else. But that's exactly what happened is we got there and on the way there, literally on the way there, I'm thinking – did I even research this enough? You <laughs> yeah. know, I think I said that to you the day before, but it came back again. Yeah. Did I, is this even necessary? Who cares if he has a tooth in the roof of his mouth? Like, I'm sure humans have 
lived with that. And so my brain's going, oh God, Cheryl, this is just such a privileged thing to do. So what? So he has a baby canine instead of an adult canine and he'll be fine. And the risk of him dying is going to be way worse if he goes to have this surgery. So we should just leave it all alone. Right. And this is how anxious brain is sounding in my head. I don't say any of it out loud because the other part of my brain is remembering, well, two very, very, or three, the orthodontist, the dentist, and the surgeon, all very well respected. I trust all of them all said, this is very important to do this. Mm -hmm. And he will have a lot of problems later on if this doesn't happen. So it wasn't ever a decision of should we or shouldn't we. I did the same thing with the wisdom teeth for Everest. I was like, is this just some ploy from the dental community to get everyone to have their wisdom teeth pulled out so they can make thousands of dollars. You know, I'm all suspicious. Mm-hmm. Um, but then once we were there, that's it. We're here. He's in the chair. It's happening. Surrender, surrender, surrender. So the spokes on the wheel, one of them can be worry, dread. This is my responsibility. But what else goes through anticipation? Goes Then there's the excitement. So in my upcoming scenario, I get to be in LA with my two best friends. Like, honestly, I can hardly imagine anything better, right, as far as a trip that I would take. I, I haven't been someone who's done regular like girls vacations. Like I have, I have clients and friends who do that regularly. I have not done that. So this feels so nurturing to be able to be present for her daughter's bat mitzvah, not just over Zoom. Or I don't even think they're Zooming it, but to, to, to get to be there as witness in a ritual that is so close to my heart. That's this beautiful Jewish rite of passage that we get to take part in, um, to get to see the ocean, to put my feet in the sand. See, now I'm getting all excitement. So I think it's yeah. it's like making room for that part of the story too, yes. right? And really talking myself through out loud if necessary, all of those beautiful things that I know are going to happen well, there might be hard things too that come up, but probably not, right? Probably it's going to be a beautiful weekend. Even to the point where I'm thinking this actually might be something that I want to schedule in every February, mm. right? For myself as a gift. Like you're saying, like I get to have teeth that are taken care of. Like, well, I get to see my two best friends, you know, on my own without dragging my whole family along with me. So <laughs> can I say yeah. one quick thing? It yes. makes me think of it makes me think of the scene in Home Alone. Did you ever watch Home Alone? I think a long time ago. The Christmas movie. So the little boy wakes up and his whole family they forgot they forgot yeah. him on their way to the <laughs> airport. So he wakes up and he's like, oh, I made my family disappear because he thinks he wished it into existence. And then he goes I made my family disappear. <laughs> like he's like, he goes from fear to like, oh, and then he like has a pizza party by himself and all that. Yes. And it's kind of like that. It's like both, you know? <laughs> it's both. And 
That reminds me of the D.A.R.E. response that I love so much. Um, the D.A.R.E. book, Barry McDonough's work around panic and anxiety of turning that dread, that ah, into we and recognizing mm. that they're very close together, right? It's like you're putting your fingers right next to each other. That is fear and excitement. That is dread, anticipatory dread and anticipatory excitement. They're, they live right next to each other. And maybe part of our healing and part of the baton that we've been handed intergenerationally is to start to wield that differently, not by banishing the dread, but by transforming it, by channeling it. And so might my practice be every time I feel the dread, I, I breathe it in. And I'm, oh, there's dread. And then I Oh, I breathe it out in some way. Like I do a Tonglen moment of ah into wee, right? <laughs> of ah, the plane and the, and I breathe that all in and the worry. And then oh, Los Angeles and my two best friends and the beauty and the bat mitzvah and the ritual. And I, and I remember bodily because I don't think we make these changes in our heads. I think that's a piece of it, right, is accessing the rational. But I think the, tr the true transformative shifts happen in a bodily experience of channeling, right? The, there, there's, there he is. There's that boy, Macaulay Culkin, whatever his name was. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, like, I made my family disappear. <laughs> I made my family disappear. <laughs> you know, on a cognitive level, something really practical that has helped me is actually keeping a note in my phone. I haven't done this in a little bit, but last year, I would keep a note of what I was worried about. And then I would write the outcome. Mm. And I filled this note with a list of like, I was worried about this. I thought this was going to happen. And then this happened and it was fine. And it was just a this long list of- I love that. And then it was fine because our brains like really have a hard time remembering the good stuff. Yes. And I think like what you're saying about visioning the good which I think mm. that's kind of like the heart place too. Like there's mm. the body and there's also the heart, like the gratitude, the, yes. the visioning of something beautiful or just something, you know, something that's good for you. It's so hard. We, we just, we worry, we worry, we worry. And then we just, as soon as it goes right, we forget. That's mm -hmm. it. It's mm -hmm. like it never happened. Like you said, mm -hmm. it's like it never happened. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like a non-event. Like, oh, non -event. I had surgery on Friday. Right. Oh, man, we're back to our normal life. And so I kept this list to remind myself those things happened and they were okay. You know, even if something, you know, I had um, on Monday, I had the dentist and on Friday, I had a gynecologist annual checkup and, you know, Thursday night, I couldn't sleep. Mm -hmm. I couldn't, I couldn't rest. I couldn't settle down. Again, I'm exasperated with myself. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um. Because as I talked about in one of our bonus episodes, I 
I get white, I have white coat syndrome when they check my blood pressure in the beginning. It's really high and it really freaks me out. And I went to this appointment on Friday and when they first checked my blood pressure, it was astronomically high. (laughs) But then at the end, they checked, you know, I did the exam and all that. They checked it at the end. It was in a perfectly normal, perfectly normal range. And so that's part of it too, is like, okay, something like that wasn't ideal. Ideally, Mm -hmm. my blood pressure would be normal from the Mm get-go. But when it comes to like dreading it the next time, it's so important for me to remember the full story of like, yeah, it was high. The nurse was really nice. The doctor was really nice. And then it was normal. Yes. So listing it out and looking back at that list sometimes when I'm really worried about something else that also has helped me. And so that is more cognitive, but it's like something very tangible that has been helpful. And then on that bodily level, that excitement next to fear thing, like I have so often really resisted that because I've just been like, no, I'm just terrified. This is not (laughs) like, (laughs) but anticipation, it's like, it can be the most dreadful feeling or it can be literally the most pleasurable feeling when we are anticipating Mm. something good. Mm. Like Christmas Eve. I always, as a kid, loved Christmas Eve so much more than Christmas Day Mm. because I just love that like, oh, we're almost at that amazing thing, but not quite. And it feels so good to imagine Mm. what it might be. Hmm. And so it is fascinating to me how those are two sides of the same coin. Yes. And what you said, I love that practical tip, by the way, of writing down the scenarios and then the outcomes and being able to refer back to them. Because I think that is part of the retraining of the brain Mm -hmm. and creating a different neural pathway and a different synapse and connection so that we don't only remember horrible, 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 we remember, and then it was fine, and then Mm -hmm. it was fine, and then it was fine. And then that piece of how quickly life resumes, we spend all these months or weeks or day, whatever it is, dreading, and then life resumes. But, But also, you said something to me interesting, maybe it was over text, of... It's like the intensity of the highly sensitive person. We feel mm. everything so intensely that there's almost like the, the depth of relief. Yes. When the thing goes well. Yeah. It's so pleasurable. Yeah. And it is, it is in contrast to the depth of the dread. And yeah. so for a more typically wired person, they're not going to have the depth of the dread but they're also not going to have the depth of the relief. And what I felt that day on Friday, I took a walk after we got him home and settled. He was watching a movie and, and I took a walk and literally with every step, I said, thank you. Yeah. I was in so much gratitude for the surgeon and the nurses and everyone that I had prayed to, the ancestors and Asher and just life itself, like, oh, my son is still here. My yeah. son is okay, right? It, he's he's really okay, and he's so strong, and we're so lucky. And so it was just my whole walk was thank you, thank you, thank yeah. you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. 
And that doesn't necessarily last, although because I do have a gratitude practice, I'm still in thank you, even though it's now Monday and it's been four days. Thank you. Thank you. The surgery went well. Thank you. Yeah, I think I was I was saying to you, like, I wonder if sometimes we don't want to let go of the anticipatory anxiety because the depth of relief is so strong mm-hmm. afterwards. The way that, you know, we kind of it sounds I don't I don't and I don't know if that's true or not. It's just something that I'm that I was wondering because I was just thinking about how it's almost like a high, you know, when mm-hmm. afterward when you're like, "Oh, it feels so good that it, yes. you know." Um so it's like I wonder if we can hold the gratitude part tighter and maybe release some of the the more roller coaster part of mm, it. Mm, um, mm-hmm. Because like we said, like it can just take so much energy and so much presence when we pour all of our attention into that dread. Um, but I wonder if we can still hold on to some of that, that gratitude. And because I think a lot of it also is just, we just care so much. We're like, I care about this so much. (laughs) And so can we like keep the care and keep the gratitude as we work on grounding ourselves so that it's not quite as drastic of a high and low? Yes. There's another thought occurring to me, which is that I think some of this, at least in some situations, is a function of time and yeah. getting older yeah. and seeing, like having a track record and a history of probabilities um, and just experience. Like I'm thinking about when I first used to do group calls for my courses. And I may have shared this somewhere before, but maybe I didn't. But the first one was 2013 when I first ran Open Your Heart. That was my first course that I ran live. And before that call, the first group call, I was, I mean, for weeks, anticipating it, nervous, stomach turning. I prepared and prepared and prepared and prepared. Butterflies. And then the next call, and then the next call. And I don't know how many hundreds of calls I've now done, but I think with each call, it was tiny incrementally less agonizing in the beforehand. But then I would show up and I would be in my flow and my vessel, my channel open, and it was such a high. And I loved it. But before every single one, I was like, why do I do this to myself? This is so hard and putting myself out there and making myself visible and in front of a whole group, like basically doing tiny little mini therapy coaching sessions in front of all these people. But now, and it's just recently turned where I don't have the anticipatory anxiety almost at all anymore, but I still have the same joy. And so, and I can only assume that that's a function of time and experience. Yeah. yeah. 
I had the same thought, like there's a huge difference between, you know, this is my first time doing something and okay, I am nervous, but I have done this 25 times. And yes. And I totally, like, I remember um, when I was doing spiritual direction, uh, my spiritual director, Karen, mm-hmm. said, when I was nervous about something, she was like, can you think back on your life and times when God helped you through something similar? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like the list idea. Like, remember that, remember all the things you've done, you know? Remember, mm-hmm. like, the times you've faced things like this. And I do think just the more experience you have, it just, there's a little more familiarity. There's a little more, a little more that feels known as opposed to all the unknown. Absolutely. And the next time Asher has to have surgery, there's, it's not going to be anywhere near what we just experienced because those knowns have been answered. Is he allergic to sedation and anesthesia? No. Right. Is he okay when he wakes up post-surgery? Yes. So those were unknowns. And the truth is there is risk when you are under sedation, right? You don't really know. So it won't be that again. It doesn't mean, again, I'm not going to be like skipping toward it and looking forward to (laughs) my children having surgery, but my guess is it's probably going to be at 50% of the anticipatory dread. But something you just said about what your spiritual director said to you, say it again. Uh, has has God about God? It was God? something like think about times in the past or a time in the past when you have faced something similar or gone through something similar and how God was with you. And how God was with it. you. And mm-hmm. so when I hear that, I – feel immediate comfort. And when I put myself, when I project myself into the future of this trip, and I remember that God is with me, ancestors, my spiritual practice, that also alleviates a great deal. I don't feel anxious then. Then I remember I'm not alone. I am being held. It doesn't mean nothing bad can happen, but it means I am being accompanied. I am not alone through these passages and portals and kind of risky things that we do. And I think that that's also a piece of why recently this has switched for me, that there's been a shift in terms of my group calls is because Yes, the time and the experience, but also there's been a radical deepening in my spiritual practice in the past, I've alluded to it, but in the past couple of months, um, starting in the beginning of November. And at some point I'll share more about that, but um There's, it's, I'm, I'm showing up differently. I've noticed with my clients and with my course members, with my groups, um, there's more of a, an anchoring and a rootedness in me that I haven't had before quite in this way. And, you know, one might say, well, where was that 
prior to Asher's surgery. Um, it was still there. Like I said, I was toggling. Like I, I was going back and forth. There were times when I was very rooted in that. And then my anxious mind would take over because to me, there's no higher stakes in life than when it comes to my children and their health and safety. Um, so that's like the black diamond of spiritual work, how that comes to play and, and, and of just caring, right? There's, there's no place where my heart cares more than for my children's health and safety. So it was there, but I think it's lower stakes imagine working with it in this upcoming trip. And so when I, when, when dread comes, it will be another practice due to this conversation alongside rechanneling, redirecting the ah to the we. I will also visualize and place myself into God's hands into the place where I place myself, right? Into, into hands of comfort and guidance and protection. There's a really beautiful Jewish prayer that I often say when I'm in worry. It's some kind of anticipatory anxiety that comes up when I know that Everest has a flight scheduled. It's that same kind of thud in my stomach, although I, it, because of time, it has lessened, but also because of spiritual practice, I think. And the prayer is, Biyarcha Avki Ruhi, into your hands I place his spirit. Biyarcha Avki Ruhi. And so this, it's a real surrender because it recognizes that his path is so much bigger than mine. Right? That this life, whether we're talking about our children or getting on an airplane or standing in front of a group or going to the dentist or going into surgery, there is what we can control, which is very little. And then there's everything else. And so I think it is one of the great tasks of all people, maybe, but especially the highly sensitive, prone to anxiety folks of loosening that grip of control, of worry, the illusion of control that worry is, and finding those ways, those practices that help us to surrender, to place, to place it into other hands. Thank you. Thank you, Victoria. Cheryl and I have a little surprise. We've decided to record special after the show videos for Cheryl's YouTube channel. So after we record an episode, we're going to do just a short video where we can tie up any loose ends after we have had time to process the conversation. And if there's something we feel like we missed or we want to dive into a little bit deeper. So for our after the show video about this anticipatory anxiety episode, we talk a little bit about why the ending of this episode was a bit 
abrupt. (laughs) So if you enjoyed the episode, you want to hear a little bit about the behind the scenes, but also just more about this topic of anticipatory anxiety, um, the spiritual lens that Cheryl was talking about at the end, you can go to youtube.com slash at wisdom of anxiety, or just search Cheryl Paul in the YouTube search bar. Hope you enjoy.